Welcome to the All of Life podcast from Redemption Church Tempe, where we have conversations on faith, culture, theology, and beyond to help us live all of life, all for Jesus. Let's jump into today's episode. Hey guys, this is Jake. Welcome back to another episode of our All of Life podcast. Uh, Today I have Jim here with me and we're going to be talking about questions to ask before making a big decision. So on this piece of paper here, I have uh, what Jim handed me. It says three quotes, three questions, and three pivots. And we're going to figure out what those mean because I don't know what those mean yet. But before we jump into it, Jim, I'm curious, so questions to ask before making a big decision. Why do you care about this? Yeah, I think right now in the wake of COVID stuff, probably eight out of 10 people I know are in the middle of making some big decision. It's Mm -hmm. either they're moving somewhere, they're about to make a big purchase, or they're trying to find a new job. Yeah. And I think with a number of those, it sounds like a really healthy process, but with a number of them, I feel like in some ways people are trying to medicate from some of the weight, the pain, the exhaustion of COVID mm. and are rushing a process to get a little a little shot of like adrenaline, like a little shot of like something to look forward to. And so I think it would be helpful if we kind of slowed down and gave people some tools Hmm. on how to process that decision. Doesn't mean it's necessarily wrong. Okay. But I imagine a lot of people are out there making hasty decisions in those things. Okay. Yeah. So not not necessarily these are bad like decisions, but a healthier way to process these things. Yes. And not just like make a gut flinch decision. Yeah. Another example is people starting new Academic programs, master's degrees, things like that. It's like, I'm going to get a master's degree, a new house, a new job. Um, All of those things are good things. They're a part of life. Good things happen from them. Hmm. But uh, if you're using them to medicate, um, you could miss out on what God's doing in your heart and make a pretty big disruption to your life and your family. Hmm. And, uh, and your friends, and uh, here's where I, every year I see this. In the summertime, it gets hot. You call it the, the dry heat fever. Mm-hmm. People suddenly discover that they have been called to Denver, Colorado. <laughs> and it's almost always Denver, Colorado. It used to be Portland, or, or but Portland, now, now yeah, Portland's yeah. like Portland's burned down and stuff, stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, it's not California anymore, but Denver's still full force. Yep. Um, and they, what, what will typically happen is they'll, they'll move, they'll decide they're going to move. They're going to spend all summer selling their house, going through the move. Then they go to the, whatever, ever that place is right in time for that place to have bad weather. <laughs> then they'll spend about a year trying to sink roots in there and mm. to make connections. And there are a lot of folks who say it takes up to three years to really get rooted in a place. Mm. Then they'll decide, oh man, this place is just as messed up from the place that as the place that I came from. Yeah. Then they'll move back and everyone will have moved on. And then it's hard to like reestablish roots mm. again. And so people will find themselves in these stretches of one, two, three years of perpetual uprootedness. Mm. Um, and if that's necessary, if it is something that 
uh, you're running to something mm. rather than running from something, mm. that's worth it. But if you're just trying to get out of the summer or get out of life's particular circumstances in this time, that's a pretty hefty price to pray. Pay. Yeah, yeah, that absolutely makes sense. I'm curious too, like for this, like this is something I see too quite a bit with just the friends and people around me and in my community in my life. But for you and your story, like like how does this in particular pertain to like your life? Have you experienced this before? Or is this something that like I've never just like moved cities like something like this? But have you experienced this before? Like has this happened to you? Yeah, absolutely. When I was in my early 20s, I switched jobs every six months because I had some epiphany about the greatest thing that was coming next. (laughs) My my assumption was that the next moment, the next decision, the next move contains everything that this moment, that this place lacks. And so I was moving from thing to thing and place to place and going after my big dreams. And mm. the crazy thing was, by the time I was about 22, 23 years old, all of those big aspirations I had to do something important and yeah. do something in the world were happening. I was living in Turkey. I was a basketball scout. I was doing uh, international uh, peacemaking. And uh, I felt like I was doing the most important stuff I had always dreamed of doing. Mm. And then I was moving around from place to place, these big cultural uh, centers, these cities, D.C. and those sorts of things. And I felt like that's what life was all about, was was finding the next big thing, the next big thing. Hmm. But then um, my daughter was diagnosed with autism. Hmm. And I had always viewed Tempe, Arizona as the junior varsity of places. Hmm. Like one day I'll graduate and go do something really important in some really important place. And the doctors basically said, you need to be stable in order for her to flourish. And I think what happened in that moment mm-hmm. is I made this decision to stop bouncing around, to really be rooted down. I had to step away from being the basketball scout and leading this peacemaking organization. It was really hard. It was like the big dream, right? Yeah. But, uh, and to be rooted in a place that I had always lived in but had overlooked. Hmm. And in doing so, I found so much more joy and life because I wasn't looking for the next thing. Mm. I was actually looking for where is God and where is he leading me in this moment, in this place where he has me now. Mm. And so what that looked like is as a act, as a physical embodied discipline of place, I decided to start growing gardens in the backyard with my daughter. In other words, to make that my prayer, I'm going to plant plants in the backyard as if to say, God, would you plant roots here for me in mm. this place? And my daughter was really my tour guide of the kingdom, showing me what it looked like, the glory of God under my very feet. Mm. And um, and what I realized, the, the phrase that kept bouncing around in my backyard, it's now hangs over my office is that is that um, that long branches, the long branches of like fruitful work of mission of influence come from deep roots. Mm. And if you've ever seen a tree, 
Like, oh, well, I'm sure you've seen a trailer. <laughs> I, yeah, I've you, seen a handful of them. Yeah? Okay. Uh, you're fa- you're uh, familiar yeah. with the concept. I'm familiar with the concept. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Theoretically. Uh, yeah. I have yeah. seen trees. <laughs> but but the canopy of a tree's branches generally matches the depth and the breadth of its roots. Hmm. And so if you want to have that long reach, don't focus on growing long branches. Focus on sinking deep roots into relationships, into Jesus, into the gospel, into place. And what I found, what I realized is I think my family would have collapsed over time. I think seriously, our marriage, my daughter would have been really affected Mm. because I was so craving significance and the satisfaction of the next thing that I was missing my wife and my daughter and the place that God had put me in. Mm. And I see people making that same mistake all the time. Yeah. You you said you're craving significance, and my guess is that there's probably a lot of people feeling the same kind of thing. But do you mm-hmm. think there are even other categories that people are after beyond, like like maybe somebody listening and be like, I don't really crave significance. I just would rather somewhere that has better weather. Like what are what yeah. do you think are some of the other like reasons that we might like come up with or have? Yeah, totally. I think comfort is one of them. Hmm. Um I think, uh, yeah, so you just want to be in a more comfortable place. Um, identity is another one. I want to be a creative uh, person who lives in an urban core in this place or that place. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? Can any others come to mind for you? Hmm. I mean, the ones that really at least speak to me is that there is this real sense of adventure or at least theorized or uh, romanticized sense of adventure of going somewhere new and being some new place. Mm -hmm. Um, I think another one that I have heard is where you are currently rooted, you have a past and there might even be some like painful things of where you are that the idea of going somewhere else and completely starting all over seems like a dream. Yeah. Nobody would know you. You can completely remake yourself entirely and how people perceive you is the thought. And because of this is where you've always been, you've got to deal with all that baggage. Mm -hmm. So you can go somewhere else and you wouldn't have to deal with it. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, that's a yeah, totally, mm-hmm. totally. And the desire for adventure is a good desire. The desire for yeah um, significance that's not wrong. Yeah, but or even comfort. Like you don't sleep with a brick under your head every night. <laughs> you choose a pillow. Like that's not a wrong thing. But if it takes an inordinate place in your life mm-hmm. and is driving these big decisions, there is a very heavy cost. To yourself, to the community around you, mm. to your inner life with God um, that comes with every one of these big decisions. So it shouldn't be taken lightly. Okay. Yeah. So not necessarily bad in itself, but just there needs to be a little bit more thoughtfulness and prayerfulness. Yep. Maybe. Yep. Yeah. Totally. All right. Well, I I feel like I could keep asking you questions on your story, but I want to figure out what some of this stuff means on this paper, the three quotes, three questions, and three pivots. So I'll ask you. Yeah. For like the first one, three. Well, what should we start with? Let's go with questions. Questions? Yeah, before a big before, decision. Okay, three questions. Three questions. Well, what are they? All right, I'm going to give you the first one. Okay. Um, the question is, what do you really want? Hmm. What do you really want? And so when that desire for the new job or the new house, or the new whatever comes, uh, pay attention to it. Don't just try to stuff it, Mm -hmm. or don't just try to fulfill it. Mm -hmm. 
But ask the question of what is it that you really are after and really kind of do some of that soul work, praying, asking God to, to reveal that. Because oftentimes there is a better way uh, to have that deep desire satisfied. Mm. Um, so for example, um, I think, give me a reason why someone might. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'll give you some, some, what is, give me some examples. Yeah. yeah. Some examples. What about, uh, I'm, I'm working at a startup company in Scottsdale mm-hmm. and I'm on the sales team mm-hmm. and it's like pays well, but it's a toxic environment. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really like an exhausting grind. And so I need to, I need to find another job that's not constantly like just a mental burden all day long. Yeah. Like I need to find a job that's a little bit more just, yeah, better for my mental health even. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's interesting because um, I think a lot of times my first flinch with that is what people want is they want to be back in the garden. Hmm. They want to be in a world where there's not thorns and thistles and uh, where there's not sin distorting and twisting everything. Yeah. Mm. And so often what you're trying to do is you're trying to find the back door back into Eden. And uh, you're trying to get back there. And especially when you're younger, you think, oh, it's just another job that I need. Uh, and then I'll get there. But then after your your third or fourth job, you realize every Thing in the world is toxic to a degree hmm. because everything is affected by sin. And okay, so, and so the it, the it should really cultivate a longing for Christ to make uh, to be with Him and for Him to come and return and to make things new and to pray for your kingdom, His kingdom to come and His hmm. will to be done, and then to ask the question: Do you have some role of restoration? in that place. Hmm. Now, sometimes things are so toxic to the point that they're abusive okay, or yeah. to, to where they're unjust. Yeah. And it's at that point, uh, and I don't know how to tell you exactly how to get there. Yeah. Um, that you need to step, that it might be appropriate to step out of it, but you at least need to acknowledge the fact that you might just be trying to escape a world that's wrecked by sin, and that's a good desire that you can't do in North Carolina or South Carolina or some other job. Not North Carolina. The per- first time, the people who I know who have moved to North Carolina, I think it was a good move. So <laughs> I, I don't want to do that. We'll say to Denver. Okay, to uh, Denver. Denver you can't, is the target. You can't move to Denver. Actually, those people, that was a good move too. Yeah. Um, let's say Paducah, Kentucky. I don't know anyone who moved there. Okay that you're not going to escape that there mm-hmm. or you're not going to escape it in another job. Hmm. Well, what about like, I mean, yeah, I'm going to keep throwing ones at you. Cause yeah, I'm yeah. like, okay, you stumped me. That sounds awesome. Um, but what about, you know, I'm in a job and an opportunity has come up in the season and it's an opportunity for me to be in a work environment where I get to grow. Mm-hmm. I get to make more money for my family to provide better for them. And honestly, like where I'm at, my skills that God has gifted me in are not being put to use well. Mm-hmm. And there's a spot that actually it seems like I could be using them better. Yeah. Well, what about that? Seems great. <laughs> I, I mean, I think there are good reasons <laughs> okay, to do yeah, it. Okay, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, Okay, cool. But I would say, I would just want to ask the question. Sure. 
Um, are you the type of person who is just convincing yourself that that is the case? Ooh, okay. Um, yeah. Because you want the relief of believing that that's coming. Hmm. Um, so ask that question. The other thing I would say is that some people, usually uh, younger, mm-hmm. are going to be convince themselves that that next job, that that next thing is always the the thing that's going to satisfy their life. Hmm. But then there are other people, generally a little bit older, who have more at stake, who may actually need to step into that role and have, oh, yeah. and, and have the courage to step into it. Like the opposite. Yeah, exactly. So you probably get asked the same question, what do you really want, as a question of like, am I staying for the right reasons? You, you could totally do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we could Dang. we could actually have that conver- this conversation in reverse. Yeah. But I just, 8 out of 10 people are trying to make the big decision right now yeah. versus 8 out of 10 just saying, you know, I'm going to be content. Yeah. And, and also you have the whole marketing machine of the world that's telling you, you need more. You should want more. This okay. next thing is for you. Yeah. Okay, um, what's, the next, what's the next question? The next question is, um, what are the possible things you could be running from? Hmm. So in other words, it's kind of the question, are you running to something or are you running from something? But the way I think the question is better asked is instead of saying, just answering a binary, like I'm running to or I'm running from, Actually entertaining the idea that you could be running from something and what is that thing? So almost like like forcing yourself, like even if you're like, I'm not running from anything. Yeah. But if I was. But if I was, what would it this be? This is what I would be running from. Yep. Uh, okay. So, for example, um, you said the you've got a lot of bad history in, sure. in an yeah, area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oftentimes— that means that there's a need for some degree of peacemaking, of reconciliation, of lamenting hmm. some of the broken things that have happened, of naming some sin that has happened, or confessing some sin, whatever the situation might be. Hmm. That's a very important process yeah. to really do business with. But sometimes we miss out on that life-changing, deep process of Dealing with the pain by just running to the next running job, the next, thing. the next thing, or the next purchase. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So here's a question for you. I mean, yeah, yeah. If you, what I mean, what are the possible things that you feel comfortable sharing that you could be running from when you make a big decision? Yeah. Like if I was just to move or buy a new house or yeah. do something. Yeah, yeah. Some of the things that I would be running from. Um, I think one of the things that just gets exhausting after a while, just like in life and ministry and work is, is, uh, the idea that if you move, like the moving one for me is the one that I get like caught up in, like Mm. fantasizing about. Yeah. If I were to move, then all of the problems that would be here and not like big problems, but like the clunky intricacies of, working with other broken humans, Mm. uh, living like in a city with broken humans, I would be going to a place where, at at least in my mind, I know I say it a lot, it sounds so stupid, but if I went to that other place, it would be a fresh start 
and mm-hmm. maybe there's not as many of those problems, or I would have a chance to like start fresh and not have to deal with any of those frustrations and yeah. problems. Um, that would be one of the things that I feel like I might be running from. Um, I think the the difficult relationship dynamics. So you're talking about peacemaking, mm-hmm. and you're talking about like the idea of running from like that would probably be one of them. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. If I have like somebody, like if I'm really frustrated with Jim at work, yeah, Jim specifically, Jim specifically, yeah, 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 totally. I can't stand him. He does not notice. I have issues like, with him, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm often running from him myself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if I have issues with Jim, and uh, specifically, like for working, and you know, for for us, like in our our team, like if I have issues that I have to like work out with him, then there's just, I don't know, the, the, the peacemaking process is challenging. Yeah. And the, I, the idea of running from him, like, if I just go somewhere new, I can just start over fresh. And it's almost like, Oh, oh there's just like a new grace period. Like, boom, like, yeah, don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Is the idea. Whereas I don't know, it's just uncomfortable to face some of that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's, that's true. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it is. You ready for the third one? Let's hear it. I actually had four here. Oh. But I'll, you, I'll turn it into three. Okay, good. Because it right. says three on my paper. So Yeah. Um, who is the best person to talk to about this? You Ask oh. that question. And when I say the best person, it's not who do I need to get advice from, but who's the best person to talk to about this? I find that often people know how to seek the advice they want to hear. And so they will find the person who's just going to be agreeable to whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever they know that you want to hear. Okay. But you actually need to find the person who can speak into the situation, who doesn't have like a whole um, horse in the race or whatever. Yeah. Will tell you hard things wants the best for you, wants to see you flourish. And if it is a good decision, they'll tell you. Cause and and mm-hmm. but also the person who would put on the brakes. Um mm. so I mean I think that's really important is asking who's the best person to talk to about this. Not and I think subconsciously we ask who is the person who's gonna tell me what I want to hear okay. about this. So if I do that subconsciously how do I find that right person if my gut flinch is like I'm gonna find the person who is gonna tell me what I want to hear? Yeah. How do I how do I make sure that I if I'm listening to this I'm like okay well how do I find that person then? Yeah, who's the person in the past who has told you the hard things that you didn't want to hear that you're grateful for? Mm. I mean that's really how you identify that person. Okay. Yeah. Um, oftentimes people will make bad decisions and then they'll realize that they made a bad decision and come back to everybody. And everyone will be like, yeah, we thought that was a bad idea too. And you're like, well, why, <laughs> why didn't, didn't you tell, tell me? me? <laughs> yeah. Because it's obvious to everybody a lot of times Yeah, that this is a hasty, unwise decision. Hmm. But we're so interested in just making people feel okay kind of good about themselves mm-hmm. and kind of good about us that you're willing to let them make this big decision without even pumping the brakes a little bit. Hmm. That's not the person you want. 
Um, it's the person who has that track record of saying those things. Okay, what if I'm hearing this mm-hmm. and the last year has just sapped me of community mm-hmm. and I'm feeling alone? Mm-hmm. And part of that goes into maybe I'll go somewhere new, mm-hmm. get a new job, like as a as a part of I'm feeling that isolation, and I really don't, like who would I go to if I don't if I'm feeling alone? Who would I go to to t- be that person for me then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think in this scenario, in yeah, this I know hypothetical more scenario, hypothetical, yeah, I would ask I a lot of questions. Sure. Um, I think, does this person have people that they were connected to? Hmm. Do they, in your hypothetical mind? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. think so. I, yeah. I don't know, never. I don't know who. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, they do. So I, I would say your first flinch should be to try to reconnect and reattach relationships that have history hmm. than just start afresh. It, it's counterintuitive hmm. because those start afresh, all you can imagine in your mind is the best things that could come out of those. Yeah. But you know all the junk, the that hard, the, the tension that ones. comes from the old ones. Yeah. And plus they're boring too. Uh, you know? Yeah. But the, there's the exciting, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I would say that. That's good. I would say that sometimes... Sometimes uh, it's it's good to you're if you're making a move to step into a particular community of people that you know, or there's a particular thing that you're stepping into or committing to. That can be really good. You're running to something at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's just this vague, I'm going to go to Paducah, Kentucky, because I feel like there might be some people out there that are more interesting and authentic and. Christ-like than the knuckleheads I'm with now, <laughs> you're going to find out that they're knuckleheads there too. Yeah. Yeah. So, hmm. yeah. So those are the three questions. Those are the three questions. Yeah. Well, just to ask those before the big decision. What do you really want? Uh, what are you running from? What are you running from? Could you be running from? Not to say that you are. Yeah. What could you be? And from? who's the best person to talk to about this that will challenge you? Not to say that the, the decision is always going to be no. Yeah. But ask those questions first. Okay. That's really helpful. Uh, we have left three quotes and three pivots. Well, which one do you want to do next? Let's do, let's do quotes. Okay. And then um, if uh, I'm going to look over here at Steven, I'm going to break the third wall. Yes. And uh, break it. Uh, how, how much time have we been doing this? Okay. So maybe maybe we'll do even another podcast on the three pivots. Let's see how far okay. we go. Sure. Yeah, yeah let's do it. Um, all right. So three quotes. This one is from Anselm of Canterbury. Do you know who that is? Mm-mm. I think it was a monk. Am I supposed to know? Yeah. Come on, dude. Okay. You're like the most monk-like person I know. <laughs> you're like— What you're, makes me most monk-like? Here's what I would say. <laughs> I would say, if people have never seen Jake, here you, here you go. This Describing. Jake. Jake would be like if the young version of Mitt Romney became a Benedictine monk. <laughs> like, that's... And, and, and did CrossFit, yeah. The, Thanks, Steve. That was, that was a, really pumping me up there, man. Well, what, what did I say at our graduation about you? I was like, if, oh, man. if, you, put, if you put N.T. Wright, mm-hmm. the mind of N.T. Wright... Uh, five gallons of hair five gel. gallons of hair gel. Yep, 
And uh, what else? I don't remember. Into a blender. Yeah. And uh, maybe the word awesome into a blender yep, and you just true. blended it up. Yeah. That would be the recipe for Jake Slabon. That is awesome. I, um. mean, <laughs> I pretty much have just only speaking superlatives. So. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right. Let me give you some quotes here. So Anselm from, of Canter- Canterbury, uh, a monk who was in charge of training monks. Um, okay. And part of the... Uh, part of their commitment as monks was what they called the vow of stability. Mm-hmm. So it was if you were ever to move, the whole community would have to come together and decide if it was okay for you to move. So it wasn't an individual. Yeah, wasn't an individual. Everyone's got to decide. Yeah. Oh. And it, part of articulating the purpose of that is he said this, just as any young tree if frequently transplanted or often disturbed by being torn up after having recently been planted in a particular place, will never be able to take root and will rapidly wither and bring no fruit into perfection. Similarly, an unhappy monk, or you could say unhappy person, Mm -hmm. if he moves from place to place at his own whim, or remaining in one place uh, is frequently agitated by his hatred of it, never achieves stability with the roots of love, grows weary in the face of every useful exercise, and does not grow rich in the fruitfulness of good works. Wow. That's that's the quote. quote. How how does that hit you? I mean, the tree part is like out of control good. Yeah. The tree part, I mean, because I have seen trees. Yeah, um, good. <laughs> surprising we've, as you might have thought. We've got some good common ground yeah, going for this conversation. Yeah, 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 this is great. Yeah. I've seen trees, but I don't know, just, the, yeah, that thought is like, well, that just seems, I love when quotes are like, well, yeah, duh. Yeah. Like, I've seen, like, a tree, you would never uproot a tree again and again and again, and then the obvious result of that is that it withers and never produces fruit and likely dies. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just so obvious, but yeah. then when you connect that to my life and rootedness to it. Mm. Yeah. It just seems like a, a no brainer. Like it seems, it just, it brings the seriousness. Yeah. I think of uprooting. Yeah. Like you maybe got like one or two in you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. like, if I'm a tree, I got maybe like one. Yeah. Uproot. Yep. Yep. You know? Yeah. And I think the average person moves 11 times in their life. Hmm. I've moved 36 times in my life. <laughs> uh, so when I'm coming to this, yeah. I'm not coming to this as some like super stable guy who's always just my whole life has yep. been like, hey, slow it down. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm coming to it as a speaking to myself and people who have kind of been in the same path as me. Hmm. Um, but there is a danger, a literal danger to your spiritual, your physical your social health Mm. that comes from the constant uprooting. Human beings like trees need to put roots into Jesus first, into community, um, and into a place, and oftentimes into a particular work. Not to say it never changes, but just if it changes a lot, it can be unhealthy. Man. You know what that reminds me of? What does it remind you of? A Netflix show. It reminds me of, you're seeing Euro Dreams of Sushi. Uh, no. Oh my gosh, you gotta watch it. So, 
I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but it's just a documentary of this guy who started making sushi before in Japan before it was really popular. It was just street food. Yeah. And he continued to make sushi his entire life. And now he was like in his 80s or 90s still making it. Mm-hmm. And his sons were training under him to take over. And so he has essentially since his 20s done the same thing that was completely not, you know, it was street food. Mm. For 70 years. Yeah. And he would, and so it's just fascinating to watch because he would take so much uh, like pride in being in one place, focused on one thing. And then what was beautiful about the documentary is you watched how he now is, he's like the legendary sushi crafter. Mm-hmm. Like you'll spend $500 to eat like three bites of fish from him. Yeah. Because he's the master. Yeah. He's only the master because he's spent all that time rooting and going, I will do nothing else. Mm. And I, I think what I loved about it is that it was relatively an unexciting thing. Mm-hmm. He took street food and did it for 70 years. Yeah. Yeah. So. I am convinced that most people, not everybody, would be way more fruitful in life and in so many ways if you were confined to one square mile for the rest of your life, never mm. able to leave it. Mm. You would have to discover the the opportunities and the richness. Wow. And you would have to stay committed to the particular people and places. Honestly, that's why when people come to faith in um, prison— their, their ministry, their work, their, uh, so many things actually thrive in ways that would be really surprising because of the constraints wow. of limits. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think of with this one, uh, you know, Joe Johnston. Mm-hmm. Joe Johnston is, uh, is a member of a church. He, uh, he's the Joe of Joe's Farm Grill, Joe's Barbecue, you know, uh, Agritopia, all those places. And he's prolific when it comes to business. Mm -hmm. His business is so not just good and successful, but deeply intentional and meaningful. Mm -hmm. And part of what I think that comes from is a commitment that he made probably about 20, 25 years ago to say any new thing I start, I'm starting it within this three-mile area Mm. of Gilbert. He could have started businesses all over, mm-hmm. um, but he said, no, I'm going to confine myself to this particular people, to this time, to this place, and there's a fruitfulness that has come from the stability and the limits mm. that have been there. Wow. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. All right. What's the next quote? All right. The next cro- quote or quote, quote, either one. Yeah. The next quote. Is, um, oh, there's so many here. All right, Kathleen Norris says, to attach oneself to a place is to surrender to it and to suffer with it. Hmm. What do you think it means to surrender to a place and to suffer with it? Man, I think the suffering one like kind of sticks out to me, but yeah, to surrender to it, you know, kind of it kind of reminds me of uh, like marriage, mm-hmm. like in, in covenant. You know, like you are, in a sense, surrendering to that person. Yeah. And so you're saying no to literally everyone else. Mm. And to do it properly, mm-hmm. you really do have to decide when the bad things happen, you're not going to dip. Mm-hmm. And that then is when all the fruit and life of marriage comes out of. Yeah. So that's what I, that's what I think of. Totally. Like for like a place. Totally. 
what I think of is I think of Jeremiah 29. And when the exiles had come out of Jerusalem and were brought into Babylon, and they say, and God tells them to seek the shalom, to seek the flourishing of the city. Mm. And he says, in your in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Mm. In other words, you are going to root yourself so deeply in this place that when it flourishes, you flourish, and when it suffers, you suffer. Mm. You don't stand above the place or outside of the place uh, as someone who's just taking from it or adding to it, mm. but there's a relationship with it that says when it gets tough, um, it gets tough for you too. Mm. Um, this, the thing, the metaphor that pops into mind is whether it comes to our jobs or our homes or whatever, is the question is, are you treating it like a garden or a buffet? Hmm. What do you mean? The buffet is just something that you take from. The, the garden is something that you take from, but you also contribute to. Okay. And so your relationship with place is not a consumeristic relationship, yeah. but a mutual rooted relationship. Uh, this could be, this is with a lot of things, your neighborhood. Your church, your uh, your your work. Do you have the posture of I'm just going to extract whatever I can get from this thing, mm-hmm. or is it I'm bound to this, both to give and to receive, and in a sense somewhat dependent upon it. Mm. I mean, you could flip the metaphor and say, uh, Are you are you making a home, or are you? going to a resort? Are you treating these Mm. things as a resort? A resort is, I just take from it. It serves me. A home says, I need it. I do take from it, but I also give back to it. Mm. Um, All right. Next one. Yeah. Man, so many good ones. You got to pick, though. You only get one more. Yeah. Well, all right. I'm going to say... I always say the name incorrectly because it's pronounced in a German way, but Simone Weil. Okay. Um, to be rooted is perhaps the most important and least recognized need of the human soul. To be rooted. To be rooted is perhaps the most important and least recognized need of the human soul. Okay. What do you think about that? I mean, that's a bold, it feels like a bold claim. It feels like one I'd be like, come on, the most? Yeah. Like, I, to be fair, I think it's overstated. Yeah. <laughs> I think the okay. most, uh, you know, the most important need for the human soul is union with Christ. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. But even so, that is a type of rootedness. Okay. Okay. It, it is, ab- if you think about abiding. Yeah. Um, it's to dwell within, it's to stay within, to abide in Christ. Yeah. Um, you know, it's to be, if you want to use the imagery from John 15 of the vine and the branches, hmm. um, it is to uh, stay, in a sense, connected, rooted mm-hmm. in him. Um, hmm. but, but broader than that, I mean, that's kind of the, the easy answer. Sure. How does rootedness 
in your church, your work, your place, your neighborhood, your family. That's another one. I feel like a lot of people are um, bailing on their families to try to medicate. Mm-hmm. Um, what? How does the soul, the inner life of someone, flourish through rootedness? Man. I mean, honestly, as I hear that, I'm thinking of almost everything in my in my faith especially has like all the best moments have mm. been because of being rooted in a place. Mm. How so? Because, you know, when I'm, when I'm in college and I, the first time I really noticed rootedness really coming out and I never would have called it that, but I moved into a house with a bunch of guys who all went to our church and were all in college and then for convenience sake, I just stopped moving for, for like the next three or four mm-hmm. years. And I had always moved around. Mm. And what I noticed is, you know, at first you get to know each other, you have fun. Then you notice everybody's clicking and you've got this really great thing. We had this really great thing going where every Friday night we had people to hang with and it just felt really awesome. Mm. Year one goes by, year two comes in, we've been able to share some like more parts of ourselves, right? Year three goes by, still I'm living with a lot of those guys. Mm. And I had this sense of, I just had this season where I had this sense of overwhelming loneliness mm-hmm. and isolation that would just hit me. Yeah. Like spiritually, even if I was in the middle of like a crowd. Mm-hmm. And it was only in that season where I had friends who had known a lot of my story, known a lot, and all those things just took so much time. Like mm-hmm. if, at, at any point, if I had moved or moved moved on, like relationally or even just moved, none of that would have been possible. Mm-hmm. And because that, I was always there at the same place. Th- it was like it just stacked on top of it exponentially, and I was able to share where I was at, what was going on. Mm-hmm. And all of those men were able to surround me with love, encouragement, and then continue to walk me through it, right? It wasn't just like a one-off, like, hey, don't worry, you're not alone, feel better. It yeah. was like, hey, when this happens tomorrow, because we know it's going to happen, Yeah, what do you want us to do? Yeah, Which, and I trusted them enough because I've been with them so long. So I don't know, I, I feel like I could talk for days on all examples where if you just cut out the rootedness, the consistency, being present, just showing up, being there in the same place, it wouldn't have been there mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, as, as you're talking, I'm even thinking about you and I. Mm-hmm. Um, we've known each other, probably worked around each other. Yeah. That's uh, true. How many? How long would you say? I mean, at least like we've been around each other like close to ten years. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, at one point, we discovered that we were related. Yep. Uh, which people don't know in the congregation, <laughs> yeah, we're which is pretty hilarious. Yep. It was we were both taking a trip to Portland, and we kept talking about how e- each of us was going to go visit our family when we were going out there. So we both are planning separate trips. Yeah, and and as we we're talking about our family, we realized that like very similar people. Yep. <laughs> and then we realized that his stepbrother's married to my first cousin. Yeah. And it was the same so exact So we were planning people. the same trip to the same place without knowing. Yep. <laughs> um, but I mean, having worked with you a long time, um, you know, the, the questions to ask about my daughter mm. that only come from a long season of friendship. And uh, you've known the, the points uh, where 
I was in tears. You've prayed through these things. You've, you know, those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, with you, I know based on the way that you are sighing mm-hmm. and or the aggressive way that you are walking, <laughs> w- what's going on in your inner, yeah. the, like, How loud inter- I'm stomping internally. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, or the weird way that you're sitting uh, at a desk, if you're, like, sitting on the floor with, mm-hmm. like, one, you know, that's yep. that's when I know, actually, Jake is in a pretty creative, good space, you know. <laughs> um, but but I'm actually able to ask those questions yeah. and engage in prayer just simply by hearing the way that you're walking. Mm-hmm. But that can't come quickly. That only comes from a degree of rootedness. Yeah. Yeah. So those, those three, are, those three are questions, quotes. three quotes. Are we going to do the three pivots? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do the three pivots. And then maybe if we need to do another podcast to elaborate on something Some like that, yeah, let's then we them. can do it. Yeah. So three pivots. Yep. Not saying it's wrong to move, to get a new job, or to make a big purchase. Okay. But we have a pivot for each of those. Okay. In other words, uh, if you're thinking about moving, we want you to pivot and try one other thing before you do it. Okay. So what are the three um, things that we're going to try? All right. So let's start with before moving, Okay. try pilgrimage. Hmm. Before moving, try pilgrimage. Okay. I think a lot of what people want when they're thinking about a big move yeah. is actually a very intentional purposeful journey. Hmm. And for much of Christian history, pilgrimage, this this trip that isn't just for uh, entertainment, entertainment yeah. but has a deep purpose of connecting with God, of understanding yourself, of understanding his world, has been a part of our tradition, yeah. but kind of got lost in, in, the, in the Reformation in some ways. Okay. And so I think a lot of people need a pilgrimage right now. Sure. Uh, an intentional journey to really reflect on this tough season that you've just been through. Yeah. Um, I mean, when when you think of pilgrimage, yep. Like, let's let's just talk of some ideas uh, for things that people could do that would be good pilgrimage things to try before making the move. Yeah. Um, good ideas. I mean, but before, because it just popped into my mind, before even ideas, uh, something that popped up immediately in my mind, the yeah. first time I ever loved Phoenix mm. is when I had a chance to go on a little short-term missions trip. Yeah. And when I was there, I was in Russia. And when I was there, mm. I, I a week, I was like, this is it. This is where God's working. Probably a week went by and I was like, oh my gosh, every problem they have here is at home, except I can actually speak the language. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm exactly. Connected. So anyways, but yeah, so practical things of what to do yeah. to do a pilgrimage. You're going to organize yeah. a pilgrimage. And and some might be like, you know, what is this pilgrimage? Just think of it as a, a vacation or a trip that is less about entertainment, mm-hmm. but is intentional about connecting with God, getting to know yourself, being with others, going on mission, something like that. Yeah. Absolutely. So what comes to mind? What, what what tips would you give to people? What are some ideas of pilgrimages that could be done? Sure. I think, it you know, depending on the availability of what you have, you probably could do a pilgrimage in a lot of different ways. You can do a pilgrimage that would be similar to your type of vacation. Like if there's an area that is very restful for you, like every year you, you go somewhere in California or 
you can actually just add a level of intentionality to it. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't even need to like do something different. You would just add a level of intentionality to it at the base level of like, hey, we're go- usually going to San Diego like over the summer, but add maybe just add in some long walks. Yeah. Where you are spending some time uh thinking through and praying through even, you know, honestly, I would take some of these questions and these quotes mm-hmm. that you gave. Yeah. And I would begin to ask them but there's something about just getting a new environment that might shake it up a little bit enough for you to think outside of the box without having to move to Denver. Yeah. And then once you escape the heat, run into the cold. Yeah. So I, I think, yeah, that you can add a level of intentionality. Uh, I think you can, you know, for me, I love being outside. Mm-hmm. And so something that I regularly try to get is to have like just a day trip, right? I just pick a day and I go up north either to flag or somewhere in Payson. And one of the ones I've loved to do is I can go up to Payson in an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. And there's plenty of places like rivers. I just go on walks with a journal, a Bible, and I just kind of cruise around. Yeah. And allow God to speak and get some time that's alone. Yeah. That actually has been really helpful with through thinking through big things for me. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, a few that come to mind for me, probably once a month, uh, I go to the Verde River. Yeah. I don't know why, but like in Arizona, you have to say Verde River often if you're a, a white guy, even though if I saw something green, I'd say Verde. But, Verde. But yep. it's the Verde River, the right? Because that's what I grew up saying. But like, yep. so I go there, and that's my favorite place to go and pray. Um, yeah. Walking, and then what's happened is that that place has become iconic of answered prayers of seasons of life, right? Hmm. Uh, another pilgrimage that I've taken is I've gone to every house in the the Phoenix metro area that I've lived in. And then at that house, just parking out in front, hopefully people don't think you're too weird, and then just writing down the things I'm grateful for and the things that I grieve. Hmm. Um, every time when I'm struggling with the idol of significance, um, I go to a basketball court that I grew up in uh, where I was— uh, I was cognizant of the fact that my father was not around mm. and I was performing to try to get some sort of significance or, or whatnot. I go back to that spot and reaffirm my sonship. Mm. Um, we've taken, uh, we've gone on pilgrimages before to uh, Memphis and the place where uh, MLK was assassinated. Yeah. And uh, we've gone there to pray and really reflect on issues of injustice. Um going to places of historic meaning, just history in general, or that are historic for you, Mm. Um, going on places to connect with certain people. Uh, If anyone's listening to this and you want help, like, structuring a pilgrimage, I would love to help someone craft what that looks like. Yeah. I even think of, like, having, like, mini pilgrimages, too. Yeah. You can have big ones, but I'm just, as I was saying that, one of the best people for me in the last season has been my brother. Yeah. And we just, Saturday morning, we go and we do a hike together. But we're really intentional about what kind of questions we're asking each other. Yeah. And so it's really fun, but we get a, he's the person that's going to ask me these good questions. That's so good. Yeah. And, And just before you move, you're moving might not be wrong. Just take a pilgrimage first because that might be what you need. I have a hunch hmm. that that's what a lot of people need. Yeah. Even if it's to get out of the heat. Like, yeah. yeah, go to Denver. Spend a few weeks there. 
relax and enjoy how yeah. beautiful it is. Yeah. Because it's terrible yeah. uh, in the summer here. Um, <laughs> I think a nomadic existence in Arizona is kind of needed sometimes. All right. Um, let's do before a big purchase, uh, give a big gift. Okay. I think that there's something in human beings about the lavish, excessive, over-the-top, breaking with some money, Hmm. releasing it. You think we all need that? I do. Yeah. I do. Even if you're the widow and it's your two mites. Yeah. uh, And it's not a lot. Hmm. But I think that there's something that's good for the heart to just break from some money. And I think what happens often is we that we satisfy that hunger by saying, "Oh, I need to make this big purchase." Okay. There's, there's this internal. So there's an internal hunger for generosity in us of the 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 lavish release of the money. Interesting. And uh, because we're made in the image of a generous God, right? Who delights in giving, right? And so my my thing is, if you're going to make a thousand dollar purchase you're thinking about that yeah maybe take a shot at a thousand dollar anonymous gift to someone who's struggling who's in uh take that take that stimulus check yeah uh find someone or something or some organization uh redemption ac no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) um and and creatively lavishly give it away yeah and I think what you might find is that there's a greater joy in experiencing the presence of Christ through generosity than mm. there is a making the big purchase. Hmm. What do you think about that? <laughs> I think of, this is silly, but like it sounds like what you're describing is if you like feel like you need to make this purchase, like it might be that you're experiencing like generosity constipation. <laughs> like, 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 yes, it's there. It's true. But like the way you deal with that is, is through generosity, yeah. not to go in and spending money in a huge area somewhere. Yeah. Hmm. And, and I find that like, there's the diminishing return and whatever the possession oh, is yeah. that you have. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's that same diminishment when it comes to generosity. Generosity. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe there is for some folks. Maybe they're <laughs> I like, would, Man. I would I'd love to hear somebody say that though. I, I, I have often had buyers regret. The only thing I've never had buyers oh, regret yeah. about is buying a smoker. But um but I've never had like generosity regret. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, actually I have. <laughs> One time uh there was a Turkish dude, I was living in Turkey and uh, he said he had always wanted a piano, mm-hmm. and oh, yes. we had a piano. I know the story. It was my wife's piano, <laughs> <laughs> and I gave it to him, and she came home, and there was no piano, and uh, we had a rough situation well, for see, several the, days. The problem with that is that you were giving away somebody else's stuff. <laughs> that's true. It's not. It's like fake generosity. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, so don't do that. Don't do fake generosity and give somebody else's stuff away. All right, last one. Yeah. Uh, before getting a new job, mm-hmm. um, make a mission plan. Okay. So we started a new process yep. at Redemption Tempe. 
to help people craft a mission plan. Yeah. What is the mission plan, Jake? Yeah, the mission plan essentially would be sit down with uh, Jim, myself, Will, one of the pastors, and we would walk you through a process of intentionally creating and cultivating a plan for your life to participate in God's mission. But like think of three specific areas of life. So it would be uh, stewardship Mm -hmm. and the work that God has given you for your hands to do. And so that would be like work, that nine to five work, but also it'd be other areas of work as well that we often don't consider as work. The other thing is that you would come up with an intentional plan for service Mm -hmm. and how you can use whatever God has given you to wash the feet of the world, like to care for the world. And the third one is an intentional plan for spoken word, which would be proclaiming the good news with our with our mouths and what we do. Mm-hmm. So all of these things, what's been so fun walking people through these mission plans so far is to reframe it instead of like, hey, here's a new thing to do, but let's intentionally look at your life, prayerfully think about how to participate with God but then I put the limitation in all of it. We can't add an extra hour, an extra hour into your week at all. Mm. We just have to take everything you're already doing. And all we're doing is we are reframing intentionality mm. and obedience to God into it. And it's been fun to see people's eyes light up because, you know, who's got more time for an hour to think, but to rethink of like, I, we can do this with what we already have. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what a mission plan is. We'll walk you through that process. And by the end of it, you'll have an intentional plan for all those areas of life and how to participate with what God is got for you in mission. Yeah. Yeah. Cause oftentimes the desire for the new job mm-hmm. is a desire yeah. to feel like you're doing something purposeful mm-hmm. and that is a part of God's mission yep. and is the big thing. And the reality is the big thing might just actually be under your feet, but you need uh, yeah. a new imagination to see that it is there. Yeah, and I think what's so cool about this as well is let's just say that maybe the next thing, the next job is really the perfect job that God has for you where your gifts are all going to be used and it's going to be like just the, the best thing ever, right? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you learn in the job that's not ideal? Mm-hmm. how to do this really well. Yeah. So that when that opportunity comes, if yeah. you you already are knowing how and crushing it with participating with God. Yeah. Like, like why wouldn't we practice that now? Yeah, totally. I'm going to sneak in my last quote. Sneak in your last quote. Because I think it's really fitting. Four, let the record show. Four quotes. <laughs> Wendell Berry. You knew I had to get a Wendell Berry quote. Yeah, I was waiting for him. He says, and the world cannot be discovered by a journey of miles, no matter how long, but only by a spiritual journey, a journey of one inch, very arduous and humbling and joyful, by which we arrive at the ground at our own feet Hmm. and learn to be at home. We want to help you arrive at the ground underneath your own feet and learn to be at home. All right, folks. Thank you. That's it for today. Have a good one. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode of the All of Life podcast. To get more information on Redemption Church Tempe, you can download the Redemption Tempe app 
or you can send an email to tempe at redemptionaz.com. 